What the hell is the name of this song? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant? I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy. I'm Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News, along with longtime Cleveland Cavaliers fan Barry Horn, who's got something to celebrate. You know, I once went up to Cleveland to do a story on the woes of that franchise when when the Mavericks were stealing draft choices from them. That's a great story, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin Sherrington. Kevin, have you ever been to Cleveland? <laughs> I once went to Cleveland as well. <laughs> I, I met with the owner, Ted Stepien. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a lovely time. He's he was no a, longer the owner. He, uh, then and, he was. He and was and we, yeah. we yeah. are joined, as always, when we have a Cleveland Cavalier-centric broadcast by David Moore. Hello, David. I've been to Oakmont. You've been to Oakmont? Yeah. That's in Pennsylvania. It is. But, I mean. We're mixing I, in the I, U.S. Oven now. Different. Okay, thank I mean, you. I, I didn't want to be too repetitive. That's good. I mean, y'all were doing such a good job of being repetitive. I was just trying to throw in something I think different. if you wanted to mix in a little U.S. Open com- comedy, you should have asked if my balls hey, have I ever was... moved. Wow, <laughs> man. Excuse me? Wow. Me, sir. They did when you're watching uh, <laughs> Dustin Johnson's wife, I think. <laughs> uh, Dustin Johnson's wife was doing a little tugging of her skirt uh, yesterday. After was that a skirt was, that she was wearing? Yeah, it was like you, a skirt. Evan, skirt weren't shirt. you at a baseball game yesterday afternoon? I was back at the hotel by that point in time when the when the round was over, having done my trinket for the paper, which is, we all know is a little visual graphic, and written my column. And did finished. that did that trinket run out front? <laughs> no, it did not. But let's not talk about that. that <laughs> really? Might be a sore subject. Were, were you angry about that? The fact that the trinket didn't run out front, Evan? Kevin, what I've noticed about myself these days is I'm always angry. <laughs> I'm angry mostly at the lot in life that I've been given, Kevin. Are you angry? Oh, Here's my guys. question. Are you angry that you never came up with an excuse uh, for one of your injuries that you were trying to catch a cell phone and fell on your, on your elbow? No. What, what, what did you almost say before you said elbow? I, it fell on his elbow. I, I'm, I'm just trying to turn this back into a cowboy podcast. Oh, Barry's, okay. Barry's trying to direct traffic. He is directing traffic. The cop. Hey, so, uh, David. Darren, Kevin, did you do a charticle as well or just a trinket? No, it was just a trinket. There was no charticle involved <laughs> I've never last heard night. Phrase. I like it. Okay. Oh, yeah, charticles are big. I've never heard that. Yeah, well, that's because you don't write anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you never had to do them. Okay. I'm sorry. Barry, please. Barry's raising his hand. Barry's, He's offended. Barry's been offended. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should have flags. I think flags would be good. We told, Ke- we told Kevin if we're, if we're hurting his feelings, he just raise his hand and yeah. stop. Yeah. All right, so let's get into this pressing Cowboys news of uh, Darren McFadden suffering a, a traumatic elbow injury um, when he was in the process of, of catching his are, cell are you phone. Mocking? Are you mocking this? Only in the way that I mocked Derek Holland's dog and stare oh, knee to injury. How does this compare to the dog? Well, I... It, it, Dog versus cell phone injury. How does Here, it compare? I, the question, I, the follow-up question I would have to, before I would answer that is with Derek Holland. You know, we had the was he playing hockey rumor that everybody started, and uh, then it turned out that no, he just was roughhousing with his dog and tumbled over him down the stairs, which kind of sounds like Derek Holland. Actually. Sounds Derek like Derek Holland. Sounds almost plausible, but it's it's also like. 
how does a guy fall down the stairs over his dog? Is there a rumor that's juicier on Darren McFadden than simply trying to catch a brand new cell phone from from breaking? Oh yeah, <laughs> real good ones. Do you want to share any of them with us? <laughs> Do any no, of them? Because they're completely unfounded. Uh, well, this whole this whole podcast is unfounded, pretty much. <laughs> mostly, it's probably mostly unfounded by people who are interested in podcasts who don't <laughs> find it. Find it. Um, very, very directional of you, Barry. But no, I, I think that um, you know any any time you have something so unusual and so difficult to believe, everyone is going to create a backstory that is more sinister than what happened, uh, and. And I understand that. I mean, you had the same thing with Holland. You had the same thing with this. I mean, who was it? There was some guy who had, like, a gardening accident a few years ago, and everyone was going, yeah, right. Uh, you know, th- these are so these are so embarrassing. I mean, there, there are embarrassing ways that you hurt yourself all the time, but when professional athletes do it, I think there's a suspicion that, well, that can't be the true story. They can't actually and be klutzy in real life. That's Exactly. How, how can a professional athlete... Well, look, I find it hard to believe that would happen to me, but it certainly couldn't happen to a professional athlete. There has to be something else that happened here. Um, I guess all I would have to say is the fact that, that this story got out, and, and it was his running back coach, uh, Gary Brown, who told the story. Uh, you know, The fact that a story this embarrassing got out, uh, if it is something worse or more embarrassing, I can't imagine what it would be. Now let's let's take a look back here. If the Cowboys had not drafted, Kevin's Ezekiel not Valley. interested in your fun. No, the, no, no. This, this is we, this we, is we've a big exhausted the fun. Right. If they, well, first, first, let me ask this: Has anyone had a worse off season than Darren McFadden? Because this is the fourth leading rusher in the NFL last year, and the Cowboys proceed. He resurrected his career, and what has happened since then? The Cowboys went out and signed Alfred Morris in free agency. They used the number four pick on the draft in Ezekiel Elliott. Then a few days before the cell phone incident, uh, Darren McFadden sues his former business partner right. for about embezzling fifteen million dollars. That's right, Mike, so Michael. I, I Ma- doubt if Michael Vick is anyone. Cowboys has had a worse offseason. I'm assuming that that Darren still has some money. Well, he still ha- I, yeah, he would still have some money because I've heard he wouldn't that, have bought a new phone if he didn't. Maybe that's why he was well, going for the phone so hard. Phone. I can't afford another phone. No, that was that was the deal. I think that was the storyline we should have gone. Adding, adding yeah. yet another level of plausibility. To yes, the whole absolutely. So if they had not drafted Ezekiel Elliott in uh, with the fourth pick and then taken, you know, um, you know, uh, Jalen Ramsey, Ramsey yeah, uh, yeah. which was kind of the obvious pick there, what would people be saying now uh, that that the, the people who were all against the the Cowboys taking Ezekiel Elliott in the first place? What do you think? Well, this certainly changes it quite a bit because um, you go from on draft night saying, why in the world would they do that? You're overstocked at one position. They're going to have to move one of these guys. You're not going to get you know, return on investment because you have too many guys stacked up on the runway at that position. But now saying, well, you know what? Uh, McFadden couldn't even make it to training camp before he got hurt. He has a history of injury. Uh, you still don't have Lance Dunbar back. He's coming off a significant injury. So now suddenly you're down to really just two proven running backs that you can go with, and that's your bare minimum. So 
it, it certainly, in my mind, altered the narrative that this team is overstocked at the oh, running back. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Isn't When is McFadden due back? Best case scenario, he should be able to work in right around the start of the season. Mm-hmm. He might be able to come in. Uh, he might be cleared late in training camp, late in preseason, uh, to start doing some on-field work. So you're you're looking, um, you know, really with him and, and Malik Collins, their third-round pick, uh, who broke a foot uh, back in OTAs. Both of them are projected to come back right about the time the season starts. Now, coming back when the season starts does not mean you're in shape to play right away when you get back. So uh, I think you're really looking at, at, at mid to late September before it's reasonable to expect him to be able to step on the field. Who is the, the bigger loss of those two uh, that you just mentioned, Darren McFadden and Malik Collins, in your mind? You know the answer to that. I, I do. I want to see what David thinks. Well, Think I, hard, I, I David, because hard obviously to... Kevin knows the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, so obviously if I get it wrong, what does that say about me? We have a big buzzer sound that goes off <laughs> if, if you're wrong. I know what Kevin's going to say. Well, look, I, I think you have uh, a special talent at running back that you drafted in Ezekiel Elliott. I think Alfred Morris is a, is a yeoman-like guy to plug into the rotation. So even though Malik Collins has never played a snap in the NFL – uh, given the fact that your two starting defensive ends are going to be out for the first four games of the season, and Malik Collins was going to be a key rotational guy, at least projected, I would actually go with Collins. Ding, 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 ding. See, David, you got the right answer. Very good. Well, oh, look at that. Oh, We've got Tommy. sound effects. Tommy! Tommy Noel, everybody. <laughs> I was just trying to follow your thought process, and I thought that was where you would go. I completely disagree with it, but I thought that's where you were Well, going. you're very wise. That's where you've gotten where you have to this day, David, because you've always followed the lead. <laughs> no, you don't, but you don't disagree with it, do you? You, you, you in all honesty, I mean, you've got no, more no, theories. Because, because you, you, I, I, you know, I think you've seen enough of Ezekiel Elliott uh, so far in this offseason. Uh, and, and you know what Alfred Morris can do, that, that you're very comfortable there, especially with Tony Romo coming back and Des Bryant coming back. Uh, offensively, there are very few question marks, if any, on this team going forward, in my mind, uh, other than the health standpoint. Uh, this should be a top-five offense. All of your questions are on defense. And so when you're removing a young, talented player from a position uh, of need, especially that you need early in the season uh, before you get some key players back. I-, I think that certainly compromises you more than losing the fourth leading rusher in the NFL last season. So let- let's talk a little bit about on, on offense. You know, besides the fact that you that uh, the Cowboys get Tony Romo back, they get Dez back. Uh, both they get a healthy Dez back. They have a healthy Dez back, right? Gavin uh, Escobar is on his way back. Too. Oh yeah, right. God. Oh, you, you do. You do have. Now, I, I'm interested in the fact that they thought enough. Obviously, they thought enough of Lyle Collins last year to play him over Ron Leary late in the season. But there were still moments, even though uh, Collins was dominant at times, would still get lost out there as well. Um, is there any reason to think that he is going to take uh, the the next step here and and become? You know, is he a Pro Bowl caliber guard for the Cowboys? Well, the next step is consistency, and I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, the, the ceiling is much higher on Lyle Collins than it is 
uh, with Ron Leary. And I'm, I'm waiting for Barry to insert some sort of lame height joke here. No, Barry. no, no, not at all. I, oh, okay. I'm just, I'm okay. just, I'm just sitting here amazed that you two guys are getting along so well this week. It's going really well. It's going really well. <laughs> uh, the blow up will come. <laughs> but uh, that's the thing. He, he, he was, he was dominant at times last year in a way Leary wasn't. But he also had much poorer game uh, than Leary did. Leary was a much more consistent all-around player than he was. Uh, I, you know, if this team would have been competing for a playoff spot, I don't know that you would have seen Lyle Collins played as much as he did last year uh, because Ron Leary is a very valuable and a very good uh, player in that offensive line. Uh, but once the season got away, I think they, were, they know the future is Collins. Uh, that's where they were going, and so they plugged him in to get the time. Uh, he is, again, he's, he's dominant physically, um, is this going to be the same sort of situation, though, that you had with Zach Martin? Where, if you remember, Zach Martin came in and said, okay, well, let's use him at guard right now, but we're going to swing him out to right tackle, and we'll replace Doug Free. And I think you had a lot of the same thoughts on Lyle Collins. Okay, let's plug him in at tackle right now, and then we'll move him out. But Zach Martin was so dominant at guard after a year, you go, why in the world would we move him? So let's just you know, find another right tackle down the road. Uh, that's still the question, I think, that, that hangs over the head of, of Lyle Collins. Well, do they project him moving outside at right tackle in the future, or do they think, you know what, let's just keep him at guard, and now we have a, a, as good of an interior of the offensive line as any team in the NFL for a long time. Barry has something to say. Please, the, Barry. No. <laughs> so do, do you envision any way that Ron Leary will, will be on this roster opening day? Yeah, I do. If um, – if, no team is willing to give up a, a pick that can then slide to the fourth round, uh, fourth, fifth round. I don't think Dallas is going to give him up because they feel that Ron Leary is going, can start for most offensive lines in this league. And if they let him go for less than that, uh, I think they would rather hold on to him as insurance, lose him in free agency next year, and then get a compensatory pick in that next draft that's going to be fourth or fifth round. So they – they value him highly enough. They're just not going to give him away for a sixth or seventh round pick uh, just to make him happy. E- even though, you know, he's not going to be active on game days. Uh, they just don't carry that many offensive linemen who are active. So uh, even though he would be inactive and, and his price of, of over $2 million is a pretty hefty price for a guy who doesn't even see the 45-man roster on game day, I, I think they're willing to bite that bullet and go with it for a year because they figure the in- – the return on investment down the road minimum is going to be a fourth or fifth round pick. So why give him up for less than that right now? Well, wouldn't that be a plus for for Ron's career, uh, given the st- status of his knee? Does, does it isn't it the thought that he has X amount of games uh, to play on that bad knee, and if he's sitting out a year, isn't that a almost a plus for him rather than that than the you grind know. of starting sixteen games, Thank, not not the grind well, that, of starting yeah. sixteen, yeah, you, but you even, even just coming coming game. in and playing uh, playing a little bit. Yeah, you still have the degenerative knee condition, which is why he wasn't drafted, which is why the Cowboys were able to get him when they did as a rookie free agent. Um, you know, this, this was a guy who was really projected as a on a talent perspective as anywhere from a third to a fifth round pick uh, in that range, but the knee uh, he he slid out of the draft. So, yeah, you, you can make that argument as well. Look, if the guy didn't have the wear and tear on the knee, uh, we saved a year of his career. So, um, 
you know, let, let's go from there. But I don't believe Ron Leary is looking at it that way. I think he certainly wants to play this year. Uh, he made that known by setting out the uh, voluntary portions of the off-season program to stress that he does want to be traded. But he also knows he has no leverage here. He's exercised the leverage he can use. Uh, he's made it known he wants to trade. The Cowboys are receptive to trading him. But again, it's going to have to be for a price that, that they consider fair, which is going to be a fourth or fifth round pick. What, what, what to watch here is he's going to go to training camp with them. I, I would be very surprised if anything happens before camp. And if, a, and if a good team loses an offensive guard in training camp, uh, there's so little depth, quality depth in the NFL uh, in the offensive line. I, I think you could see something happen with Ron Leary, but it would depend on another starting guard on a pretty good team in this league going out. Well, let, let me ask you this, because we're talking about Lyle Collins, You know, both of these guys, Ron Leary and Lyle Collins, possibly moving, or no, I'm sorry, Zach Martin and, and Lyle Collins, possibly moving out to right tackle. You know, when when Larry Allen came to play for the Cowboys, he played guard, he played tackle, he, he played everything except center on that offensive line. And yet, ultimately, the position they cited was the best for a guy who is probably the best offensive lineman the Cowboys ever had, I, I, would, I would probably say, is guard. And, and, and we don't consider that as important a position as a left tackle. But at some point, you have to make the decision – this guy really fits this position better. Let's let him play what he plays the best instead of just moving him to what we feel is the greatest need. So it, 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 they, they made that decision in Zach, for Zach Martin uh, to play right guard. It, isn't Lyle Collins, in, from, what, uh, from what I've heard out there, isn't he really probably more of a guard than he is a tackle? After watching him at guard, they feel he's a little better suited for guard uh, than tackle. Uh, the way he moves, the way he's built, they like him at guard. Uh, he didn't. He didn't perform as well in his first year as Zach Martin did, where you where you put out of your mind that hey, let's let's move him outside. And and look, they, they still have that flexibility with Zach Martin down the road. I mean, based on injury or or how this plays out, how how many guys you pay because you know that look the Cowboys still have this going forward. I don't know. You asked earlier, and I never answered it. Uh, is Lyle Collins a Pro Bowl talent player? I think he certainly is. Now, that would give you four pro bowlers among your five offensive line starters, and I don't know that any team in a salary cap age can pay four pro bowl contracts among five spots in the offensive line. So there's a good chance one of these guys moves on at some point from a financial standpoint. The Cowboys just won't be able to make it, uh, have it make good fiscal sense. And they're all, so, they're all young players, too. Well, that's the other thing. They're all, you know, this isn't staggered. I mean, once Doug Free leaves, basically all these guys in the line are are at the same stage of their careers, and and keeping that together for eight to ten years, I think, is unrealistic in a salary cap era. So they're going to have to make a, a difficult decision in there, in my mind, at some point. But uh, going back to to the guard position, yeah, left tackle is the premium uh, position in the line, but you know, the, the game continues to change, and you're seeing more and more elite pass rushers coming from that defensive tackle position, which means you need more and more good guards to combat that. And, uh, and, and I've always maintained, too, especially when you have a smaller quarterback like Tony Romo, that protecting the interior of the pocket is 
some ways it is more uh, of a necessity than protecting the edge. Because I think a, a player like Romo or Drew Brees, they're, uh, they're mobile enough, they can move around it and still make the throw. But a smaller quarterback, when you get pressure up the middle in the interior of the line, you can't see over it, and it, it disrupts how you move to buy time. So I think that more and more teams are seeing that, you know what, with what we're seeing with pass rushers now, with what we're seeing with defensive tackles and pressure coming up the middle, that that interior of the line is every bit as important as the left tackle. He kind of reminds me, and Collins kind of reminds me of Larry Allen, Larry Allen a little bit from the, the ferocity standpoint, the athleticism, the, you know, he's a big, strong guy. He looks like he could. I'm not saying he's going to be Larry Allen. I'm just saying that. Yeah, I hate those kind of comps, and I mean, I'm I'm guilty of it on on some. Oh minutes, yeah, I'm not I'm not about to say Larry Allen bench pressed 700 pounds. I, I mean, mean, we're talking about outrageous. a Hall of Famer, absolutely. But he he has that kind of feel. To me, he just seems more like a guy who is aggressive, wants to get down the field, and that's what you get more in a, from a guard than you do generally from a tackle. And and I think that's an excellent point about the, the the rush coming up from the middle. Was that two years ago or was that three years ago when when Tony? I guess it was three years because two years ago they had a lot of success. But that was the issue was the the, the rush coming up the middle uh, more so than from the ends and and really giving uh, Tony fits and, and a lot of, a lot of problems. Yeah, and to me this is just another element of how how the game's changing because it's so much of it now is is through the air and you know. You, when you didn't pass that much, when you're passing 20 to 25 times a game, uh, and all your you know your elite pass rushers were on the outside, and, and blitzes were coming from the outside with your safety blitz and corner blitz, uh, those guys on the island were were the key uh, because you could isolate them. Uh, not so much now uh, because again you're passing so much more. You're passing uh, you know a lot, a lot of times twice as often as you were even just you know six seven years ago. Uh, so there are more pass rush opportunities. You have more talented guys inside. The game's changing. All of the game is in space more. Um, and so it, it's still more cluttered in there in the middle. And you, you don't have to be as athletic to be successful at guard as you do at left tackle or right tackle. But you have to be more athletic, I would argue, than you were six or seven years ago to be effective because of the way the game is changing. And I just think the Cowboys are reflecting that with the with the quality of player they're putting in the guard but, right now. But I thought the Cowboys were going more to a run, uh, run-oriented run offense. Not not totally run-oriented, but it wasn't the whole idea of bringing Ezekiel... To go back Ezekiel, to what they were in 2014. To go back to what they were uh, by putting a, a whole load on the running back, Elliott, just like they did uh, DeMarco. DeMarco. Yeah, but, but but the running game is different now too. I mean, just with uh, uh, because of what you're doing, and, and the, the game is much more getting matchups in space. And I know running, uh, you say is well that that's not the case. But you you have different sorts of runs than you did when when Emmitt uh, was making a, a career. Uh, you know, was being the, the leading rusher in NFL history in the league. Uh, you, you just go about it a little bit differently. The blocking schemes are different. Uh, so th- they will go back, and, and there's there's always going to be this, this push and pull. And, and to me, it makes perfect sense if you have an elite runner and you're built to run to go back and emphasize the run game more now because so many teams have loaded up with nickel and dime corners because they're in the passing game so often. They don't have players to play the run, and you can wear a team down. Um, but 
in doing that, you know, the, the, the lifespan of a running back is much shorter. Uh, these offensive lines are much more difficult to keep together because of the salary cap. There are a lot of things that make it easier. That, to me, that the economics of the league make it easier to be a passing team year in and year out than a running team. But the Cowboys are built to do both and built, in my mind, to lean toward the run right now. And, and it makes perfect sense for where they are in Tony Romo's career and where they are with this young offensive line. Let's talk about, compare a little bit. I know we haven't seen Zeke Elliott play as a professional, uh, but we've seen him play in college. He's a very uh, accomplished running back, very very much an all-around back. What they talk about is the fact that he catches the ball, he, he blocks as well as any running back coming out of college in the last who, who knows how long. He's a three-down back. He's a three-down back. All right, so let's say let's you know the most successful running back they've had obviously in in the last three years was Demarco Murray, uh, and then last year Darren McFadden's numbers were very good. But we hear different things about it. is who is better suited for this offense? Is it is it Demarco Murray? Is it Darren McFadden? Would it be Alfred Morris? You know, is Zeke Elliott everything they need in that back? Who is who is the best suited for this offense of those four? Let's say of those four backs. You know, I would say McFadden altered his running style a little bit last year to go with his own blocking scheme. Uh, Alfred Morris comes out of a scheme in Washington that is very similar. Uh, you can say close to identical in, in how you run uh, with the Washington scheme and the zone blocking and the way they attack uh, defenses. So I think schematically Alfred Morris is an ideal fit uh, for this system. Um Elliott uh, has shown, uh, again, he's he shown he can be, uh, he, he came out of his own blocking scheme as well. Uh, again, different in college than, than what you see in the NFL, but the same basic principles. Um, and, and Elliott's a guy who, from, from by all accounts and, and from what we've seen, has a, has a gear once he gets into the open field that, that Murray, McFadden, and uh, Morris do not. Which that of these? He is a, that he's a north-south runner, but once he is able to get beyond uh, that first wave of the defense and has some room, he's going to pick up more yardage for you uh, than Murray did when he was able to break through into that second tier. David, which of these guys, of the four guys that Kevin's citing here, which of the of the four is going to be the best pass blocker or was the best, the best pass blocker? You know, Murray got better at it. Um... McFadding is a willing blocker. I wouldn't say he's an outstanding blocker. Um, you have to. It's difficult to say Ezekiel Elliott yet because they haven't really gotten physical uh, in the in the off season program, and, and that's certainly a different element to it. But based on what I've heard and and just how he positions himself, and and because of his size, uh, I would say Ezekiel Elliott would be the best blocker of those four that we're talking about. And I, for me, given given all the other aspects of of what they are going to ask from a running back, you add that factor in, and, and keeping Tony upright and keeping him protected becomes so important. I think that that that's the thing that separates Ezekiel Elliott for me as a potentially better fit than the other guys were for this club. Yeah, I, I agree, um, and you know, McFadden did okay on it last year. Uh, but but on that first hit uh, that that Tony Romo took, I, I've been told it was McFadden who, who missed the block and allowed that hit to take place. Now, um, you didn't know it was going to have the catastrophic effects that it did. So uh, 
I would agree with you, and that's why, I mean, Elliot is going to have the sort of workload that DeMarco Murray did two years ago, in my mind. Now, the, the key here is, uh, with McFadden and Morris, if you keep both of them, if one of them gets hurt or beat up, and you can't go with them for three or four games, then the other guy is capable of picking up those six to ten to twelve carries a game in relief. I, I think one thing that will be a little bit different than what you saw with Murray is Murray got so many carries early in the season that he started to wear down a bit as the season went on back in 2014. Uh, I don't think you will see Elliott get that number of carries early in the season. I, I think they will uh, work to you – know, the, these other guys are a proven commodity much more so than Joseph Randall was. So I think they're going to find spots for them to be in there and to give uh, Elliott a few uh a few series off here and there, so he'll be fresher at the end of the season. All of that being said, rookie running backs don't need a lot of time off. <laughs> so um, I think he's going to come pretty close to what DeMarco Murray did. But remember, DeMarco Murray did something that, that Emmett Smith and, and Tony Dorsett had never done in franchise history. I mean, he, he's the single-season rushing leader in Cowboys franchise history. I, I don't see Elliott getting that many touches. But I think it's going to be pretty close. Well, but the key to the running game here is, of course, Tony Romo's health. Because if anything happens to Tony Romo, everything we're talking about goes out the window. Correct? Sure. <clears throat> so they've got to keep. They've got to. Keep, I don't. Know, I don't know if, if 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 Tony Romo goes out, I would think that the running game becomes more important. Exactly. Yeah. So, but then there'll be there'll be a need for more carries at that point. Correct. Yeah, but they want. Yeah, they they want a team that that Tony is going to throw 20 to 24 times a game, not 45 to 48 times a game, because you're relieving the potential for Romo to get hurt, and, and you're narrowing the window of plays on which uh, a catastrophic effect can occur, as you had happen on two occasions last year. I, the, the one thing about McFadden getting hurt uh, to me that is an issue here is I, I have a hard time believing they would have gone into the season with all three of those guys, plus Lance Dunbar when he comes back. So I, I, had a, I had a feeling that one of those guys was going to get traded, uh, probably McFadden, and now and now you now you're not going to get anything for him because no no one's going to take him at this point uh, as damaged goods going into the season. So uh, yeah, but yeah, McFadden was the most likely. McFadden's still the most likely to be moved, but like you say, now coming off this elbow injury, and and again it just reinforces here's a guy who hadn't been able to stay healthy healthy earlier in his career. Right. And so now everything that you, everything he did last year, where you maybe look at him differently and go, "Hey, this is a guy uh, you can count on," and now we can't even get back to training camp because of uh, because of this injury. Uh, yeah, it really minimizes what teams would be willing to give for him. Uh, that being said, uh, because of their contracts, it's more likely that Morris is going to be here than McFadden. Um, but at this point, I think you're going to have both. You're certainly going to go with both up until close to the trading deadline. I, I wouldn't, because you're right, if you're going to move one or the other at this point, it would be Morris. And I just don't see that happening right now with McFadden out. Because if you move Morris, uh, then what are you going to do? I, you, know, you can't move McFadden now. You move Morris, and so then you go into the season with one healthy running back who's a rookie. It seems to me that maybe Morris is more likely to 
be happy in that secondary role as well. I'm not saying McFadden wouldn't, but he just seems like he would be more so. But when he signed here, there was no Zeke Elliott, correct? Morris. Yeah. Yeah, there was no Zeke. No. So, I, I, well, there I, was. He just wasn't here. Well, right. But but I I would think he, he can't, when he, he signed, existed. he thought he thought he had a shot. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. no, he's a different well, he cat. He thought he would too. be the lead back. Yeah. yeah. He signed thinking, you know what, I'm 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 fine with this competition. Let's just see how it works out. And even yeah. if McFadden beats me out, I'm still going to get plenty of pay. Right, right. He, now he, that's altered dramatically. You know. Well, plus I like him because he drives that old car, even though it got uh, even though it got repaired. I, I, that, I moved Alfred Morris way up in my estimation. As a as a guy driving uh, who has six cars on his insurance and not one of them has is less than one hundred and fifty thousand miles on it. Uh, sounds like fan. your sounds like your insurance, doesn't it? Yeah. That is my insurance. Oh, oh you talking, have six cars. I have six cars, oh. yeah. He's talking about himself. I was <laughs> See, that was... I, I didn't realize that. I, I apologize. It was, he was nodding off. Barry was nodding off. It may be point. time to sign off uh, for this edition. Barry, would you like to have any Gavin Escobar talk? No, but I, I do have a question about the most important guy we never talk about. We have never, I think we've never talked about on balls. He's certainly not in the last few weeks. The most vital part of the Cowboy uh, scoring effort. And that would be Dan Bailey. How did he look? It, look good. Good. What was the point of Shaq. that exercise? I wanted to know how Dan Bailey looked at the OTAs and how he looked at, at, at the minicamp. He might be the best kicker in the league. What, what do you think? He he forgot well, where the uprights I, were? I don't know, but I, I wanted I wanted to make sure. I We should leave no stone unturned here. Did he go to a Did he go to a Lou Groza straight on style kicking style? I don't. That's why I asked the question. Lou the toe Groza. That's why. I, that's why. That's why I asked the question. The guy is perhaps. We, who, we, we, who, we, let's bring this full circle. Lou, Lou Groza, I believe, played for the Browns, right? Cleveland. Oh, there we go. And all the way back to. to and our, was he on the champion? Was he on the years s- ago? Did he make a kick for that last championship team? Was it in 1964? Did, I, I think he was the kicker then. <laughs> did you interview him for that story you were working on? With, I did. When he was at, <laughs> as an active player, I did. I hey, did. when I went to Cleveland that time, I did interview Jim Brown. That was that was very exciting. You know, and let me just let me just leave you. <laughs> now everybody's pointing at every David. Wow. Everybody's pointing at each other. Now. Over that one. Let me just yeah. leave you with this: that I have two very quick Cleveland stories. One involves the time that I Forever the only time I ever missed an actual baseball game that I was supposed to cover because I got delayed in Chicago and flew into Cleveland at eleven o'clock. Uh, that night as they were turning the lights off at Jacobs In Cleveland? Oh. Yes. Um, the whole town. The yeah. second one was a big series when the Rangers and the Indians were good. So you know that that, was, that coincided a while ago. And um, uh, I had an allergic reaction to some medication um, and had a bunch <laughs> sounds of— sounds like a Derek Collins story. Had a bunch of hives. Uh, and the uh, only thing that I could do was get an ambulance and, and go to the hospital. And uh, as I was walking, Cleveland, actually, Cle- the walking, Cleveland Clinic is a fine hospital. Is that where they took you? No. Oh. Actually, as I was walking into the ambulance, because I was completely ambulatory. <laughs> walked into the ambulance. Yeah. Um, Tim Callishaw was walking into the hotel to uh, come and be the columnist that night. And uh, so his, his <laughs> view of me was... Getting into an ambulance and driving off into the sunset. Did he think you were just going out for a little tour? No, he, did. I, I, he thought that we had some new rental car policies, but he. <laughs> uh, but I did make it back in time to cover that game, and it, it was just it was an allergic reaction. Everything's fine. Allergic reaction to what? A medication, Barry. Okay. Barry probably wasn't listening to that story either. Probably one of the twenty that you're taking. 
So, David, I'm, I'm sure you feel that that last couple of minutes was really well worth your time. You're never getting that back, David. I'm having an allergic reaction right now. Yeah, I'm sure you are. To, to what, David? <laughs> it's, 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 I don't know. It must be some medication. It's a ballsy. So, Evan, as, as you're, you're clearly ready to sign us off. Tell us what else we have today. Well, Barry. Yeah, please, Evan. Well, Barry, we also have, for all of our losing contestants, Rice Aroni, the San Francisco treat. We have uh, me on baseball, which is really all you need on baseball. Wow. Uh, and then we have uh, super agent Lee Steinberg, who's got a great story to tell us, and I'm sure you're going to help us navigate that story. Uh, and uh, those are our podcasts this week. David. Wow. Will, what you, a be, will you be listening to those too? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> there was a conviction. I love that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. All right. We're, whatever. We're, David, thanks for being with us. Party, oh, thank you'll, you get so your, much. you'll get your parting gift uh, in the mail. Evan, Evan the got a package. I just want to tell you, Evan got a package today from the Houston Astros. No, it wasn't from the Houston Astros. Who was it from? It was from some jewelry company in New York called Origami Owl. And how big was the box? The box was the size of two baseball bases stacked on top of one another. And how big was was the uh, the, the thing inside the, or, the thing inside the, the box? The thing in the packaging. I thought I was getting something really cool, and I opened up the package, and uh, there was a tiny little bag inside, a little jewelry pot pouch, and uh, there was a Houston Astros dog tag. So not only did they overpackage. They sent if they were trying to promote something in this market, they kind of missed. So on you the think there's somebody, were, there's somebody in Houston with a Texas Ranger? Who knows? Who cares? But it'll, I, be, I have, it'll be a nice gift for your wife for for next Mother's Day or, or not, an anniversary. Yeah, that's present. a lovely gift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and you could you could wear that 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 new shirt she got you for Father's not Day. She, she Barry, didn't get me. My wife got it. Barry, <laughs> Barry, listen. Let, let there's only one person involved in this phone call conversation right now. Who takes promotional items and uses them for gifts for his for his significant other, and it's not me. Hey, I've been married for thirty eight. No, I've been married for thirty four years. <laughs> You're not even sure how long you've We've been, been married. together for thirty eight wow. years. How about that? Wow. So, so that excuses you from thoughtful gifts. Absolutely. Listen, I'm not a newlywed like listen, you, Evan. We should have Sharon on here one time to talk about her Mother's Day gifts, her birthday presents for the last ten years. I think you could pile them all up on this table right here. And it would not be a, a, a big pile either. You know that yesterday was actually. No, but I think he does the stuff like a vacuum cleaner and he does, he does all that stuff. That's yeah. right. Mixers. Barry's the king of practical gifts. That's yeah. correct. Brake job for the car. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <Would you? laughs> Honey, I got you. I got you a gift certificate to Quick Car. To Brake <laughs> Here, honey, get scheduled that right. Take the car down and get Here, that done. Look, Evan, look, Evan, I, Evan, follow my lead. You've been married how long? Two years? Two and a half. Here's Evan, the gift certificate. Evan, Evan Earl Shab. He'll paint any car for ninety nine, ninety nine. I had an Evan, Earl Shab paint. Evan, how long have you been married? Uh, you know what? Yesterday was actually the official three year anniversary. I saw that. I, th I thought I was at your wedding in in, in a January. In January, and then we, I saw yesterday we, was your anniversary. We fooled everybody. Because yeah. we had to get married. That was a fake wedding, wasn't it? We had it? to get married legally. You had to get married? Really? He did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little, little Evan forced us to get married. We little had. Evan. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there any. <laughs>
Is there any scarier thought than a little Evan? I thought this was little Evan that we deal with every this day. Little, we had this to get guy mar- around with a goatee. We had to get married because of certain legal issues that I'm not allowed to go into. Wow, man. And, oh my god. And so we did and we had a civil ceremony at the house. Are you an illegal alien? <laughs> and I was at I was at your wedding ceremony. It was very civil there too. And guess who very, else was there? Michael Young and J D and they spent the whole time in the corner working out Michael Young coming back. Michael Young's career. Someday I'm gonna write the story of how I saved the Michael Young John Daniel relationship. By <laughs> we we better move on. We haven't even trans- transformed to the Ranger Would podcast. Would that not have yet. been better than anything there, we did today? There, yes. there, there are Cowboy fans all over America listening to this podcast going, what are these guys talking about? <laughs> I think that the, my takeaway from this podcast is the idea of Little Evan. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a great bobblehead, wouldn't it, though? <laughs> Say goodbye, Evan. Goodbye, Evan. <laughs> Say goodbye, Kevin. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, David. <laughs>